0: Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. Let's get right into it. Thank you for joining us for another KG, Fifth Ward, Wildcat, and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you doing?
1: Doing okay. This weekend was interesting, the week was
0: interesting. Doc, how are you, sir?
2: I'm doing well. I've recovered from my trip to the Bahamas, and I apologize up front that we were not able to do our traditional Wednesday or week podcast podcast. A lot having to do with me being on international travel.
0: We're movers and shakers, doc. The listeners understand. We just, we got to roll with the punches and the depth and the You are a doctor for a reason. Sir. In order to survive. In education. Thank you. It is about informing. Okay, let's talk about. Absolutely. I'm going to shift gears on my colleagues real quick. We're going to get into uh, a topic that we have not been able to uh, share our sixth sense regarding the shield. But
1: he didn't protect it.
0: Here we go. He fell on it, but he didn't protect it. Here we go. Uh Football, college football area scores. Prairie View lost to Southern 34-24. TSU improved to 4-0 and with a 45-23 win over Alabama A&M. My alma mater, the Houston Cougars, laid the smack down on a, I guess, a bad, somebody had to win. On a bad UNLV football team, 47-14. to Houston Baptist to beat splattered Texas College 72 to 6 in Tyler, Texas. Won the recruiting battle. And the Rice Owls, Hootie Hoo, lost on a late last second field goal 45 42 at home to Old Dominion to snap the Owls, um nine game home winning streak.
1: Henneke will get a shot on Sunday.
0: Henneke, you gotta let folks know what that is, I man. You're talking about Taylor Henneke. Taylor right?
2: Henneke of
0: OG. ODU. Uh, so let's get into it.
2: That's very intriguing from program, and literally just started football essentially five years or so ago
0: now, from
1: what I understand um uh, Virginia and, and the Carolinas were able to provide enough recruits to yeah. get the program started and from what I understand it's it takes those three states to pretty much build a recruiting base, but he's got quite a few kids and all that he's taken away uh from out of the um uh, out of the state of Texas. Florida to uh, help with some things. And Henneke is a a Walter Payton award winner uh, for best, uh, and that represents the best player in the FCS football. He won it as a sophomore, which would have been two years ago. And he looked well. There was quite a few Scots that were in the uh, uh, press box to check him out.
0: Touch on this. uh I was at the U of H game. In previous podcasts, we talked about how... Did you Coast have wi ...Cougars... No.
1: I'm just being... No.
0: Coast Levine's Cougars cannot be good teams. UNLV came in with a 1-2 record. Slow start. Record, and uh, the Cougars beat them after uh, playing poorly against um, BYU on Thursday last week. Started off poorly, I should say. They had their moments. But the Cougars start... This is one thing I have a problem with with the U of H offensive coaching philosophy. Before last night, they didn't know how to run the ball, refused to run the ball. One of the quotes after the BYU loss was, uh, we got behind, I'm paraphrasing here, we were behind, we got behind early, so we decided to abandon the run. They were down 16-0 in the first quarter. In the first quarter, you're going to abandon a run after one quarter? From what I understand, uh, folks
1: were dropping the ball? you to putting the ball on the ground? So, you down BYU. pretty
0: early. So, yes. So, then lo and behold, this past Saturday last night, they decided to stick with the run. 52 carries led to 399 yards on the ground. So, good thing they didn't abandon the run this time. But, once again, I don't believe UNLV is a very good football team. At least Coach Levine and like the I Cougars have not beaten a good football team anything. in a while. So, but, it was a decent day for the ACK. In football, when you have a score such as this, when East Carolina blazed the smackdown on uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference member, North Carolina Tar Heels, to a to a tune of seventy to forty-one. You say that one more time. Seventy. They dropped seventy on a – I believe that's a Power 5 school, isn't that, sir? That is a Power yeah. 5. Power 5 Rough school. man got it going on.
2: They might need to change the name after
0: that. Rough man got it going 41, on. And East Carolina is now ranked in the top 25, 24, 25, depending on the poll, 23, 24, depending on what poll you look at.
2: They might need to consider
3: it
0: now. So considering that East Carolina is on the Cougars' schedule in conference, that's probably going to be a loss for the Cougars because it seems like East Carolina is a good football team. And you dis- they got a good you coach. You detecting our theme here. They got a good the coach. Who was on beat? Good football teams. They got, they got beat a good bad coach. Bad football teams. So
2: some people say he's one of the most underrated coaches in the country.
1: Truly, yes. He was on the staff at Texas Tech when uh, Coach Leach got let go, and he was uh, the uh, coach for the bowl game. Yeah. And uh, there's still some uh, Raiders that are upset that he didn't get a shot at that job. Didn't get a uh, uh, well. Let me rephrase that: a legitimate shot. At that job,
0: there you go.
1: And that staff that was on the, that coached that bowl game went to East Carolina with him.
0: So recap the uh, scores in the act. Texas
1: is still in the, in the hunt,
0: as they say,
2: <laughs>
1: recruiting
0: wise. Recapping the scores in the in the act for this week, we had a USF edged UConn, seventeen fourteen. Duke of the ACC, one of the good teams in the ACC, one of the few. Beat Tulane. Beat Tulane. Forty-seven, thirteen. Temple destroyed. Delaware State. Fifty-nine zip. Texas AM just destroyed, annihilated, embarrassed. Continued the misery of SMU. Fifty-eight to six. UCF beat Bethune-Cookman. Forty-one to seven. But Bethune-Cookman, Doc Gregman for wrong. They beat somebody in uh, Carmen USA, right? Florida and the mouth. Thank you. Just wanted to say that you know,
1: hey,
3: have, have the
0: hierarchy. Have you know? Okay. Uh, they know where they are. 41-7. They know where Cincinnati, they are. Cincinnati uh, it's Miami of Ohio, 31-24. Memphis beat Middle Tennessee, 36-17. And my Cougars rounding it out. Defeated UNLV, 47-14. And I want to say a few things. I did see new uh, scoreboards and inside TDECU Stadium around Batter- the light- sides. Now they Li- they added a few things on the side, those scoreboards they added a few banners on the side to cover up a few things or to add some color to the to, to the stadium so it just it seems to me that the criticism of them being doing a rush job to start for the home opener versus UTSA have some legitimacy so their stadium other scoreboards were in the works they just were not ready for the home opener versus UTSA on August 29th so I'm not sure who, who's at blame you know for that you know scoreboard keepers scoreboard manufacturers U of H people whoever but you can still see you're seeing as the season has prog- progressed the stadium is adding things it's adding scoreboard is adding a few more monitors outside things like that still no wi-fi for the carrier that I have I'm not going to acknowledge them because that's not going to acknowledge them it's not, not working why should I give you credit for you know for not working but anyway me and some of my
3: buddies well,
2: following your trend. If you so, say something, maybe they get. Uh, maybe people. so, yeah, Cause yeah, so yeah, because one of my friends. <laughs> you, <said something laughs> you see. You see. That's, yeah, that's, uh, uh, okay,
3: you see.
0: that's a good point. One of my friends has AT and T. His his wireless worked well on his phone. Really, Saturday T Mobile didn't work for me. I've been there three times. I didn't worked for me yet for the wireless. So, uh but we we enjoyed. The, we had a good time watching the Cougs pick up a victory, a much needed victory. Uh, their next game will be. Uh, how was the crowd? It was decent. It wasn't great, but it was decent. Uh, how far are they away from uh, getting that crowd back? I mean, how many more a games? New, a new coach. Uh,
1: that's not going to happen in
0: time, soon. You know, you, you got to be good teams. And beating these, beating Ramblin State and UNFV, those aren't, those aren't good teams. They play UCF on October 2nd, Thursday. Game's going to be on the ESPN that's a good team. With that note, Grambling State got his first win yesterday. Speaking so of... Doc, so when I
2: heard that... Grambling actually, uh, with everything as things start to uh come together, Grambling is looking like they may be back to more of the traditional Grambling we know. And so it's obviously won't be a good team. But,
1: but it won't be F- a bad one but either. But
2: at the FCS level, it looks like they're going to give some people some problems. Uh, but still, your point stands in regards to um, them not playing well. Even if you would consider a Grambling a good team, you're talking about an FCS program, and there's no way that an FCS program uh, should stay on the field with you. And it doesn't matter when we look at the overall function of U of H when you put teams that are measured as good teams, either with winning records, you know, conference championships, right. bowl wins, or at least forging in those type of directions. U of H has had. A major problem under this current coach's leadership. Which is unlike what they were able to do under the past two coaches. Correct.
3: The and attendance for the game
0: are. the attendance for the game was twenty three thousand four hundred eight. That was the announced crowd. So roughly Did it look like that? Rough yes. It it looked sparse. I'm
1: talking
0: in, about in did it look sections. like it was twenty three thousand. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Compared to the seating capacity of forty thousand plus. So you're seeing the difference of the embarrassing performance in the uh, opener versus U T S A they're not going to go, they won't get those fans back this year. Unless they, unless they beat the team. Because a lot of the those were, the were
1: borderline, you know, where like, um, uh, not so much borderline, but they had no connection with the school. So that, <coughs> <They were, coughs> it was, a, they it was, was there, there for
0: an, an event. It, oh, there you go. That was the word I'm looking for. They were there for an event. And then based on how the atmosphere was for the event on the field as well as in the stands, it was very underwhelming. So those fans would not come back for a while. And that's not, that's on U of H. They need to accept that fact and remedy it. But yes, the next game is UCF 6 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. And um, I'll be surprised if U of H beats UCF because they are, UCF is a good football <coughs> team. It's a home game for, for the Cougs. We'll see. Yeah. I'll be there and get, try to get there for, you know, after work. But, uh, we'll see. I'm not expecting the U of win. So I'll say that right now. We said after five games, they'd be one and four, that they have a chance to be three and two or two and three. So they're a little bit ahead of our pace. So we'll see and how things go.
1: That game is on a, uh, on a Thursday
0: night. Yes, sir. Thursday,
1: October 7th. Um, and that, the U of H is off until that point. Right. Um, now getting over to Rice, they are dealing with some, uh, an injury plague and all like no other this the end season. Um, they are down to, uh, they had five coming into the game, four. No, I had five coming into the game. Five, what? five injuries coming into the game. Uh, three starters. Uh, one of those was the, uh, defensive, uh, Star Wars, uh, Christian Covington. Uh, it's going to be, it's not a day-to-day thing. It's, it's be a doctor okay on, on him coming back. Um, uh, lost him in the A&M game, uh, first, uh, uh, first series. Uh, and they had the their back, his backup and a couple more backups on the offensive and, uh, defensive front, uh, some kids didn't, uh, they didn't finish the game. Um, uh, then they lose Dreyfus midway the, uh, first quarter. And that gap, that, that, that 15 minute gap in the second quarter when, uh, ODU put, pretty much pulled away from, from Rice. That's when the, uh, things look kind of, kind dreary, but they, uh, take them up. Doctor said it was okay with on non-throwing arm on, on his left arm, his, uh, shoulder. And, uh, he was pretty much slammed to the ground and all, and it was more than a stinger because they, he just basically said it, he lost all feeling in it. They got him situated, came back out, he started the second half, and that's when Rice got the offense back to going. He makes pretty good decisions and all, and, and, and keeps everybody even killed. and you know, they, they wasted two timeouts, um, early on in the early part of the fourth quarter because of miscommunications from the sideline and on the field. But they righted the ship and they got going and then balled down to the last possession. Too much time. Uh, even though it was a minute and five seconds when they scored, Henneke was able to drive the team downfield uh, and score. At least get them in the field goal position and, and uh, for ODU to win the game. Wasn't able to talk to him after the, uh, talk to H- 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 Henneke and the uh, ODU coach after the game. They were pretty much ready to, to uh, head back out. But, uh, Coach, uh, Bailiff, uh, my interviews will be up here within the, uh, next, by 8 o'clock this evening on Coach, uh, Bailiff, uh, Dreyfus Jackson, quarterback, and <coughs> they'll be up this after- this evening. And tomorrow my feature will be on Dreyfus Jackson. I'll load it up tomorrow afternoon. It should be up and running ready to go by three and coach Baylor's, uh Monday luncheon. He'll have more to talk about, uh, um, about the game because he'll have a chance to have seen the film. There were also a, an, that was also an incident, um, during the fourth quarter, could have been third, but that was a non disengagement. Uh, the ODU player uh, and a Rice player that happened on the ODU sideline, and because the official was not in position to see what was going on, it extended out beyond the bench, over the top of the uh, player's bench, and into the sidewall, and it stayed that way for a while to the point that nobody knew the kid was still over there the next player was getting ready to get started. And it took the ODU coaches to just walk out on the field and wave to say and, and point to the sideline behind their bench that it was a play was still out, still on the sideline, and they needed to get taken care of. It. That bothered me because, and when you wear the stripes, and one of my mentors was there watching, observing, uh, when you wear the stripes, you take it, things are, are taught to you from day one. First. Don't follow the ball. Watch the play. That means everything that's going on in front of you. Number two, which is prevalent, take care of your area of responsibility. Sideline judge didn't take care of the area responsibility because from where he was standing and where the incident happened, he didn't know that they had gone out of bounds, and he was ready to start. He had already given the signal to start the next play. They were all like ready, lined up, and over the ball. Wow. That 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 was, and there was no explanation given to Coach Baylor uh, on yesterday to what transpired. Uh, so tomorrow, that's going to be my question to find out: did did he get an explanation of did he you know was he sending Because it would be third game in a row that there's been an incident that he's had to send off tape to the conference office by situation in in game. That officials did either didn't explain or were not able to explain.
2: That's at the FBS level.
1: Yes, sir. And 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 for conference USA, that didn't look good. And uh, it, and also for the other conferences that were involved, visited. And by that being a conference game yesterday, that meant that went straight to the office. I'm not ranting and raving, but I'm going on. I want to
0: shift gears before because I want us to talk about NFL and. Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, that's what I want the majority of this podcast to be. But a few days ago, Wednesday, the uh, members of the NTA Women's Basketball Championship Committee were in town touring the facility, Toyota Center, is, uh the City of Houston and Texas A&M have partnered to bid to host the Women's Final Four in the upcoming uh, bid cycle of 2017 through 2020 and through one of our the walkhead and, and uh my sources I got the names of the people who were a part of the uh NCA committee who were in town for the visit and I put it on my women's who's blog um before I went to the office Wednesday the chronicle had an article with a few quotes as well as uh, our man Mark Burma had an article about the the visit is more is better information from uh, Berman than the chronicle, in my opinion. But one of the things that kind of no comment. That's fine. Because I just I'm already upset, so and I'm well, just letting I, go. I, be, I hope you do comment, and I want you to, Doctor, share this th- thought as well. One of the qu- comments or in the write up regarding or that was in the chronicle was um the NTA says that Houston's history of supporting women's basketball is also an attractive quality. The city was home to the Houston Comets WNBA team. Pause. Houston is trying to bid for the women's NCAA Final Four. Why are you referencing a WNBA team who no longer exists?
1: And one that the building ownership kicked out has doesn't want any reference to yes
0: the owner of the uh NBA counterpart has one nothing to do with the Houston Commons. So why you ever seeing the Houston Commons as a history beside the history of women's supporting women's basketball in the city baffles me.
2: When it's obviously they don't they
0: don't. Two the support of Houston area women's college basketball teams here in Houston is laughable. On all levels. When you combine on the college level, no, it's better on the high school level, depending on the the teams. But uh, U of H, Rice, Texas Southern, Prairie View, St. Thomas, HBU, we could do their combined and combine their attendance numbers, and they would maybe equal, maybe equal Texas A and M for a game or two, maybe, which is I believe was one of the main reasons to invite the Aggies to partner for the bid in the, in the process, in the beginning. I did not see any quotes from anyone associated with the Aggies as part of this bid, this presentation on Wednesday. The Aggies won the championship, the NCAA championship, in 2011. And they have the biggest voice- no
2: reference in the article towards that. Thank you. I think it's really the be up front, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Because the biggest voice that we have in the area that KJ and myself know he's only a phone call away. And that's Coach Gary Blair. He would have I didn't. He would have taken time out of his day to come down
0: and help. And that's and that is and, and that's and a I'll fact. Say that that is that is um. I intended to to call Coach Blair uh, prior to the presentation to see if he or someone from AM was going to be part of the presentation. I did not do that. You know, job commitments, whatever. That's not, that's an excuse. I didn't get that done. That's on me to, uh, see if anybody with, with a is going to be part of their presentation. But based on the articles in, from Berman and from the Chronicle, Jenny Dial, Jenny Dial Creech, I didn't see no quotes from Texas A&M representatives. Uh, Coach Blair, anyone with associated with the Aggies as far as, as far as the committee. We had quotes from Rockets, uh, Tad Brown, who, really? um, You know, he said he was excited about the opportunity for Toyota Center to host the event. And we have heard uh, since Wednesday that, uh, let's just say, some things were lacking in the presentation uh, to the committee. So the NCAA will make their decision, final decision, about who will be a finalist to host by the end of November. Houston is competing against uh, Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Nashville, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, and Tampa Bay. Keep in mind, Nashville hosted Women's Final Four this year. New Orleans hosted it last year, and it's hosted previous Final Fours on women's <coughs> side. And Tampa Bay will be hosting in 2015. and be the second time hosting. So, I believe those three teams are probably the front runners for, uh, the next few.
1: Nashville, Dallas, and, uh. And Nashville,
0: New Orleans, and Tampa Bay. Okay. would be the front runners for this. And then, uh, Dallas, but if I'm ranking them, those three is in Dallas and then Columbus Pittsburgh. I think, you know, I personally, I don't see what Columbus and Pittsburgh can offer that Houston and Dallas can, can't do better than. But if it's there, if they're selected, I'll be there covering it. Unlike some people, Doc, you've, you've read articles have you, about When was the last
1: time you went to Pittsburgh? Well, uh uh-uh.
2: Less than 10 years.
1: Because it's Please
2: been. as well. I've been there and you write this. Cleveland,
1: uh, 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 I'd have town, to say.
2: It's an older town in terms of historic relevance, uh, but no longer is the hustle and bustle associated with uh, those ma- uh, those towns. So you also don't get all the major components of, uh, of a metropolitan city such as Houston that is basically international in every form yes. and fashion you have, which means you're going to have all types of media opportunities associated with and other uh, food eateries and things of that nature with things to do. So you're
0: right. In terms of restaurants, in terms of facilities, in terms of transportation, I think Houston ranks up there yeah. amongst those seven cities. And but correct. in terms of supporting women's college basketball, yeah, it, falls well, it falls well short of that unless you are really relying on Texas A&M to bring in the fans.
2: I agree with that. But I would look at those other major cities. I'm I'm, not sure that they oh have no, any major cities. Yes. Cause, cause when Tampa
1: you, doesn't. When you, when you mentioned Columbus, the, the doesn't. first thing I think about is, you know, Ohio State, and that's it. Dallas.
0: You know, Dallas has Baylor, but Dallas supports the Big 12. Yeah, that's what they offer. They They, su- they support and, the Big 12 in basketball and in, that's, in a large way. That's going to be interesting how that,
1: how that transpires. That's going to be interesting how that transpires. But
0: right? your point is legit because in terms of supporting women's college basketball, Pittsburgh, New Orleans doesn't have, you know, Tulane lanes not have good women's basketball, especially on a national level. But they got none of, down none the road? of these, none of these cities. That's where you. That's where. You, that's where you have to go to is cities, college teams that are in the surrounding area. Maybe to come to that city for the Final Four for that fan base.
3: And they
1: offer something else besides. You know, for the fans, for, for you know, the outside fans that just come to events and stuff, New Orleans offers that. You right. Know, and, they've, they've and they've no
2: question, I think in the same framework, there's some things that you can say about Dallas-Houston, and even to some large extent, Pittsburgh and but, Cleveland, but... And no, Tampa, right, but Columbus. The greater, like Columbus, yeah. you, thank you. Houston. But the greater point I was looking at is, as you're zoning in in terms of the efforts of folks really sort of supporting... Women's basketball. What does that say about the other cities? As you relevantly pointed out, Tampa is similar to Houston. They're not really showing a great deal of support. Uh,
0: See, that's what that's why I still have a fleeting hope that Houston will get picked. But when I look at two weeks ago, Columbus hosted the women's basketball championship committee. The Columbus Dispatch showed. There's a picture of it on on the website. So you can Google the article. Okay. Of a uh, on the shuttle service, there was a picture of NCA, Final Four Columbus.
2: Yeah, so you so would they, tell that they So they went, yes, so they put. Went, a full yes, court they, put press.
0: they thank you. They, they did a full court press to impress the committee
2: to make sure that they understood that hey, we want you here. We're gonna do what it takes to get you.
0: Not none of that was done for Houston. I didn't see anything in the Chronicle about that. I don't know if any logos were made. I didn't see anything on, on my Fox Houston pertaining a Houston logo. The article written by Jenny Dial Creech pertaining to the bid, has a picture of the men's Final Four from 20, 2011. <laughs> that is the picture in the article for the women's Final Four bid process.
1: Shame. And the and Chronicle okayed that. Because you don't just, you know, you, you may write the story, but your your editor oh, pretty much uh, okayed your layout and what goes what photos go with it. I thought that was abysmal. That was just as horrible as it Well,
2: did. as we're about to talk about some of these issues and you're talking about women in particular that are dealing with domestic violence and, and how they are coming to the forefront to make sure some of these issues are dealt with appropriately, um, this is another case when you look and juxtapose that against this image of women having a due process and quality of opportunity. And that's much of your what you're Speaking on, and obviously we understand there's some range and reasons that you're not going to pull up the same type of full-cut press that you would put on for men's basketball. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do your due diligence and uh, the outlay of a men's Final Four as you're pushing for a women's Final Four lacks something to me.
0: And let's get right on into it. Let's talk about um, these last few weeks the NFL has looked – has handled things very, very poorly. Just give, you, give me your thoughts on, on Ray Rice and, and I think Hardy. They, it's, and, it's,
2: it's, it's, as more comes out, the more it's becoming easier to see that Commissioner Goodell um, is really losing any concept of how to handle this and everything is being exacerbated of how he misplayed it and, and really is at a loss. Um, There's some concerns I have above and beyond the issue of domestic violence. And I'm one of those individuals uh, that understands that there are organizations that are fully invested in domestic violence, particularly against women. So they're going to be out in the forefront, and I understand that and respect that and suggest that they should do that uh, uh, to support your cause. Uh, But I'm of the essence that uh, violence, in itself
1: does not beget violence
2: it it needs to be an issue dealt with in this country and rather as we've talked about it seems a month ago now whether it's what we perceive as police violence whether it's uh, out of chicago and it's gang violence uh, la uh, across the country obviously Mm
3: -hmm.
2: uh, whether it's military violence or militarization of police academies in that framework Or obviously violence with men on women and women on men, you know, from domestic violence standpoint. Women on women,
0: men on men. Yeah.
2: Same as well in terms of gender differences that you see as we evaluate those issues as well, or whether it's violence against children. I think all that needs to be dealt with. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I look through this as a funny lens and, The socialization and the criminalization of individuals, to me, is an easy component for the media to take up with. And it's it's hard for me to listen against these sounding boards that are making all these sound. And then I just look and said, I didn't hear you talking about any type of violence two years ago, as if this is brand new. And we know for a fact that these are issues that have been going on for a long time. True. And just because of the way it played out, uh, that seems to all change, and that's just weird to me. There's a couple of contexts that I do want to bring in from the framework that I'm not sure I've heard many people look at this from a historical standpoint. And people always kind of chastise me because I always like to make a historical connection between what goes on now and what has gone on in the past. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of that taking place. And when you look at the ethnic mix of what takes take, is taking place. Uh-huh. And what does that mean from a historical standpoint when you look at the slavery in this country and how that has moved on, and while we like to think the vestiges of that slavery has dissipated, in a lot of ways it has not, and people refuse to look at the whole historical context of that. There's one scene in the movie that really brings this home when you talk about the great debaters that was referring to the HBCU college in uh, East Texas in terms of Wiley. And obviously as the HBCU sounding board here. I think it's appropriate to make this connection in that. There's a scene in that movie that really stands out to me that gives you some context of what takes place here. And it's a scene where uh, the principal, you couldn't even use the term president at the time, the principal of Wiley College, who was actually a reverend as well, Mm -hmm. was traveling down a back road, and in this travel, there was a pig that was hit, if you would, in terms of this. So you have this picture of this nice-dressed, professional family. And then you have, coming out of this wood, this really grotesque in a lot of ways, uh, European-American, white guy, if you would, uh-huh. Uh come out full of mud in regards to dealing with the pig. And the whole scene was about the denigration of this individual and not to be denigrated just himself. It's not as if that was enough, but it was in front of his child, which was a young boy and his wife. Which mm-hmm. gives you an image of how difficult in this country over the years it has been for a person of color, particular African descent or African American, in terms of dealing with this country and its laws and guidelines. And so that sticks with people. And so from that framework, as you look at the issue, if you would, <laughs> of not only domestic violence, yeah. but child abuse, yeah. and the terms that are used out of your switch versus a branch, yeah. and why is that important to understand those different languages, and why somebody like <laughs> these individuals would use tools of that nature in that way. So and are we
1: evolving to a better place or are we, uh, have we found ourselves uh, mired in the, in, the, in, the, in the clay?
2: I think obviously we, if we. I would do injustice if I didn't say we evolved. I think we definitely have evolved. I think that would be ridiculous to say just we haven't. But I think in some attitudes we have not evolved and that's the overall juxtapose of what I'm saying in terms of my argument is while we have had a lot of things that have moved forward and uh-huh. we have evolved a lot of subtitles and subtexts and mental thoughts that have not evolved. And there's a reason for that. And Instead of us having really frank discussions in terms of how do we communicate better, how mm-hmm. do we communicate more effectively, how do we make change, how do we provide policies, how do we deal with people that may have a different environment mm-hmm. than we have, that may have transpired about that. Mm-hmm. The final perspective I will give on this is to really give you the layout of the case. In terms of that, it is, if you know anything about football, whether it's college or professional, you know, generally speaking, whether a team is at home on the road, they create a sanctuary. They take the team literally away from everything, family and all that. And it's to really create a mindset to get them ready for this game day environment. I was coming over here and I was listening to the games, because I am a fan of the games, generally speaking. And one of the things you hear it in the background, the more that they want to mic up the teams and the players.
3: Yeah.
2: One of the things they say on the defensive side is they say, kill, kill, kill. And the kill that they were talking about was already talking about, kill that play. Right. Uh, you know, get prepared to attack. Uh huh. So a lot of the terms that you use in football from old time were terms that you use in war and battle. Uh huh. So you create this mindset that suggests the individual Needs to be prepared for war, prepared for battle, destroy. As I heard actually in a church sermon this morning, if you would, uh, the priest talked about the fact that for many athletes, all a part of their life they've been taught that you seek and destroy, you know, from a running back position gotcha. or defensive play, and they actually applauded for doing that. Very good down. But there's been no environment to de-escalate that. You work up and you create environment for this game day. Right. And outside, unless you may be traveling home, uh, whether it's by playing a bus with the team, because you're the role team, you may have a chance to somewhat de-escalate. But there's not the same build down as it was to build up. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes, is that important? And now I think you're seeing... Incidents that suggest that these are part and partial. Mm -hmm. That the same elevation you do to build up the individual to get him prepared for the game or battle or whatever terminology you prefer to use is at some level you need a dis-escalation of that environment to work with individuals. I think they've lacked that. I don't think they necessarily understood from a research study part how important that was. Uh And this is just the environment in a perfect call of what you would read in terms of the tipping point that has led to what we see now and how frustrating people are with it and the way that it took place.
1: Well done, coach. Well done, coach. Coach, professor, doctor, young KG.
0: What does the NFL do?
1: This, and, and and solve solve uh, if they're serious
2: about solving yes. the problem. You, you mean My if, first if, thing, I will say that before I actually give you some substance of what I think they need to do, and I think it's part and parcel and why I tried to make sure they were so long, because I don't like to just destroy or pick apart without providing some type of solution. But the first thing is I will suggest that the NFL and the microcosm of what they're having is the fact that they're really tremendously all about money, and they do that very well. So I would suggest to you that they won't really try to solve this. They'll try to find a way to placate individuals so it looks like they're trying to solve this Mm -hmm. so they can get past it. Now, if they really want to solve it, they're going to have to do exactly what I was talking about. They're going to have to bring in professionals like they have professional coaches that teach them how to de-escalate players that play on Sunday. They're going to have to provide environments that let them know how to be socially responsible outside of the environment that they work in because their work in environment is totally different in engagement than just about any other working environment you can think about out of maybe policing or military to some degree and even those organizations i would suggest to you haven't done a very good job of teaching people how to de-escalate you know there are studies out there that suggest that the military and policing are one of the highest rates of divorce and there are a lot of problems with domestic violence in those organizations as well. But because of society in a lot of ways, those organizations do a great job, unfortunately, for those that are trying to solve it, with kind of hiding some of the awards, Uh because it's not a good thing to actually show that you're policing individuals, but you can't even really police your own and, and provide that environment. So that's the problem you're going to have here, is does the NFL really want to be in a position where they're going to truly make change? They said it. But I would suggest to you that that's not in terms of the business of making money. So they're just talking the talk right now.
1: So in reference to that and what the commissioner mentioned on Friday, uh, his... The time that the, the, he's mentioned about, he, they set up a committee, it's brought in some he outside. He wants health. time. He's hoping, if and you think about it, he said February yeah. in terms of and, the Super Bowl. You know, and so,
2: in, instantaneously, if you really look at what he's saying, he's asking for time. And the reason he asked for time, one is he wants this to finish de- this season out. No, yeah, that has to <laughs> But he really wants this to deescalate. Right now, they're in a the hot and nothing they can do to win. I thought they were going to get themselves in even a little more trouble, but it looks like it, it won't be as quite as bad with the Philadelphia and Washington having that fight on the sideline, right. I thought they were going to even find themselves in a deeper quagmire in terms of the c- control and volatility of, of the sport that takes place. I think it will survive, and I think this too will pass because just the news cycle, there will be something else that will jump outside of that. But the whole framework, if you look at it, one of the first things he has to do is he has to be upfront and truthful. He hasn't done that yet. No. He's being a lawyer and he's very mm-hmm. good at being a lawyer, and he's made money on that. You have depositions and reports now that are coming out uh, from ESPN with Outside the Line that creates a framework that lets you know that uh, that this is deeper in terms of owners working with each other and doing things uh, to get things job, uh, done. And unfortunately, in a lot of ways, what you're seeing with Ray Rice, that this probably was actually a very good individual that made a horrible mistake. Yeah, and I hate to use the word mistake because, judgment? uh, because it was terrible and, and, judgment? The, when you were, better? No, you could use judgment. I think he, he, a horrible incident took place where he was involved. But the thing that people push on this is as if they automatically want to say that this is not something that hurt, has happened, at least at this level before. Um, So when you look at his background in a lot of ways, it suggests that he is generally a good person. And I think a lot of problem that we have is we like to compartmentalize people either in being good or being bad. But We know as humans, most individuals are all to throughout that continuum. And they have different places in their lives where they probably reach uh, a little bit of both of those in some ways. But I think what you look at is the hope that individuals individual is more good than they are bad. And I think if you look at Ray Rice, in most cases he is. But in this circumstance, um, which is interesting when you have a country that, in a lot of ways it provides mores on the Christianity, particularly when they want to use it to support causes they want. In this case, a lot of times uh, when it comes to criminalization, particularly of people of color, I must point out, we tend to want to just put them away, throw away the key, versus the Christianity thought, if we want to go there, Uh, Not that I'm trying to preach or say that's the way of the world, but I'm saying the framework that we like to push on people oftentimes is the fact that why don't we ask the question of what created an environment for him to feel that he could do that, and two, how do we make sure that we create an environment that he won't do that and fix what took place for that to happen, which to me is the forgiveness in terms of that. Why do we want to feel the need to destroy an individual to right what we see as a wrong that's my greater point in this whole diatribe of the conversation that i wanted to get out
1: now he mentioned that they've invested in uh, in help group two women's help group uh one is the the call center um i'm having a Senior moment. Yeah, uh, call, uh, a
2: call center for domestic uh, violence, uh, and he said and that but the uh, call center had went up, and that they didn't and, have the manpower and to actually. They've and, all and, the calls,
1: and they've done once again what which, what which folks do a financial it, thing. Yeah, Road checks and all. Check. But he mentioned it. it he mentioned a, a a time frame. He mentioned a five year time frame on both of those, which I thought was that didn't sound right to me. That basically said you buying five years of time. And hoping all this, and, and, <laughs> and you wrote a check. And you know I'm, where I'm going with this? Yeah, answer,
3: yeah.
1: In five yeah, years. Because it's wait, not wait, wait, an endless commitment. Yeah. In five it's, it's, it's five years. I'm like, you and went with I five years. I guess in five years we'll fix it. That's yeah. What five years we can First fix it. First you mentioned it. five months. Give me five months to get this situated. Now give me five, and now I'm going to give you all five, five years. And we'll have it, and it fixed. Fix. And I thought about something the Koch brothers had done a while back was offering money to the UNICEF and their HBCUs. And uh, uh, the NAACP, I was like, you know, that's that's how they reference things.
2: Yeah, that's how they reference things. How the and, you know, money so at it. Yeah, and, 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 what, and see if it'll all go away. And then it, what was said, he got called on that too because he put together a think tank, which I think was laudable yeah. in terms of a group of women um, that would look at these issues. And even on that, when you look, just suppose this, that a lot of the problems are coming out of a particular ethnic group at least in this particular case, we right. have Roethlisberger and other folks. We understand uh, the breakdown of the league in terms of the sixty-seven percent being African American and majority of others being European American, and, and a very small percentage of being of other ethnic backgrounds. If we want to reference in that component, but the fact is, when he looked at this women's group, there were no individuals of African American descent, Correct. which are the women at least that these domestic violence individuals are suggesting, particularly when you look at Ray Rice's situation, of women of color who have a higher capacity to be in these uh, events. So it's interesting to me that you don't even see uh, the importance of the diversity in that. And he couldn't even really deal with that issue and said that his organization is diverse and that he has some women, but he couldn't answer the question of whether there were any women involved in the decision that he had with Ray Wright. So he's all over the place, and unfortunately for him, uh, I think that's sad because he's talented in many ways, right. but not in this case. And it's even worse when you look at the fact that he has a chance to create a framework that will really change that direction. Uh, but he, he just can't do it. And society has already said, the general public has already said that they can't trust him, but he has the backing.
1: Of the uh, 32 and owners.
2: Owners. And it'll be interesting and to that, see how long and
1: that was. That's, that's, not pro- that's it's, my it's, point. It's, that's it's, my it's, problem. I is. was told point blank three things last week. This happened the same day that I found out about the, uh, the same day that the, uh, uh, the committee was in town. One, his job is, is, stays, he stays on his job at the, uh, pleasure of the 32 owners. Plain and simple. He doesn't make a decision without them putting the hammer down. Uh, If they gave him a mandate, handle this. We don't want to be involved. We don't want to be brought out in front of a camera and have to answer any questions whatsoever. You got hired for a reason.
2: It's too late. They already got to the Boston Ravens. (laughs) With with,
1: with that being said, when the question came up, two questions came up. One, did he at any time think about should he resign or not? He flat, flat out said no. Answer that quick and hard and fast. And it was a look across the reporter's face like, really? You don't think you should retire? Uh, uh, resign? Then the next one was, are you willing, once this all comes to a head, give up power as being absolute? Where the, uh, where, where the, uh, league is concerned. And his answer was, and I, uh, not in a, uh, hard tone as he gave the no but it was almost like everything's on the table, like you're in a conversation, and it was almost like uh, only if the owners say I have to give up power. Yeah, yeah but it, but as far as the committee saying I have to give up power, that's not gonna happen.
2: He's already given up power because he's already admitting that he's gonna have to bring NFLPA well, that, that leadership that, that, to the table. That, that, but the point that you reference in terms of his tone is is very good, and that's why I said most people would suggest to you that that this was horrible, particularly when you just juxtapose this against Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, right, less than three months ago, if you would, coming out and how strong and humanized he looked versus a <laughs> lawyer in terms of his position, and he apologized. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he said, we're going to do it. We're, we're, we're going to he, it. But he, he, his apology was not necessarily in terms uh, of his mistake in regards to what he may, have, may or not did in the past, but it was really in regards to individuals right. that were involved, right. players in the leagues and past stars. And you didn't get any of that from Goodell. He spoke strictly as a lawyer, which he lost a lot of individuals. And the last point... He could have gained a lot of credibility when you look at the fact that he said he made a mistake and you give him credit for saying that. But others, when they make mistakes, they're, uh, issues that they have to deal with, whether it's financial or games or whatever. He could have at least even, you know, framed it, uh, where he was fine. Now, in regards to that.
1: And, and I will have to give my fellow, uh, compadres in the media a lot of credit because Friday, they just basically said it's on you not going to be able to hide from nothing. And we're going to ask every question. Yeah, and we're going to get a it. retort question. And I'm going to get my question in. And they didn't back away. And it was basically, you out oh, here. Oh, well, it opened <laughs> up.
2: You <laughs> the question that said, if, uh, you were talking to uh, any girls in terms would you tell them that this was yeah. okay? And I was like, they going to start it off like this? <laughs> so, yeah, they came strong and heavy. So, you're right. They decided that. And that's why I said he's basically in the bullseye, so I'm not sure how he survives, even with the owners. Particularly when you start having uh, your sponsors. Yeah. Even as cricket as this may be with Budweiser and how many people sarcastically look at them amazingly in terms of their framework of deciding that this was a bitch month. So if you have an organization like that that comes out and says, The next ones are coming as well, and then that's when I think this really, uh, it becomes a major issue of this. But he's bidding for time, and if he can get the time, it'll go away. He's got
1: until the Super Bowl to to get that done. And I, 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 now that was the only situation that kind of bothered me because folks didn't press him on that. It was almost like they heard it. He gave him a timeline, and it was almost like they didn't know whether whether they were supposed to go back with another one. Like, why will it take? the whole season, to get this resolved when you and I both know, all of us sitting, at, the three of us sitting at this table, within 30 days, another situation is most likely to arise.
2: Uh, but to be honest, if they're going to do it right, I think it is going to have to take time. But the point I think that I referenced in terms of his commentary was not that he asked for time, it was the fact that he asked for time without providing any real substance on what is needed for things to get done during this time what are the real frameworks in terms of strategies to move forward? How is he putting together an organizational framework that allow things to change? He really was not uh, able to provide any uh, real answer to that. And he had a week where he disappeared to create the framework. And so that's why I say that I graded him so low on this. Not that he just asked for time. I think, tangibly, anybody that's been in a business framework of something of this magnitude, understands that you do need time to create an environment with all the rules from state, laws, and federal, and plus this has to be bargained to some degree. Mm -hmm. It is going to take some time, but it still doesn't mean that you can't create the framework of what you're trying to set up and why it needs so much time. That's the problem that he really didn't get out there. And again, he wasn't really truthful in terms of what took place. He stalemated those questions that were asked directly in terms of what did he know.
1: And when did he know it?
2: And when did he know it? Um, He even hid behind the fact. About the video. (laughs) You
1: know, getting his hands on it. Right, Right,
2: but he hid behind the fact that this is uh, going to go up by the NFLPA in terms of the arguments that they're going to make to try to get him reinstated or reactive at least in terms of the league instead of indefinite punishment. But that's what he said. Why he couldn't provide you more information that this is ongoing.
1: Well, we at this you know, you you got the the Justice Department uh, system, and then you have the the, the league. You know, two different entities. One has a program, uh, a process by which you go by, and then another, you have a, a single person that.
2: Yeah, well, he's already acknowledged that that's going to change. That was his major problem if you want to get back to what took place. And many people tried to tell him before, in this country, uh, with everything we have and how we tried to set up the country in terms of multiple platforms all the way up to the national level uh, with the trinity in terms of how we decide the governance of this country, how can an organization have an individual that has plutocracy in terms of of what's going on. Uh, It just didn't work. He was judge, jury, and executioner. Anybody with his right mind, even if you like some of the decisions he made, it's like, this is not going to end well.
0: Yeah. What should be done regarding Hope Solo?
1: I don't think she should be, because the case is basically the same. A... uh, Home situation, uh, uh, assault against another person, family, me- uh, uh, two family members. Um, she should be suspended from the uh, from Team USA women's soccer. But well, she hasn't been, and they have not. They been, haven't said anything. Said, about they it. hadn't opened up their mouth at all.
2: Well, and, I'm uh, gonna go back to this. I don't think just because in the NFL that these individuals were suspended, because I would argue that. I don't like the policy. First thing, I, I, I'm i an individual that believes in policy.
1: Okay. I got So you. if
2: you have a policy on the table, I think it's fair that you go by your policy, which is one of the major issues I have with Goodell in the first place. Okay. And why it's so strange in the organization. So the first thing I would ask is what is the U.S. national soccer team or the professional team, what is their policies on issues like this? So then I would look to see – Are they following policy? If they're following policy, I say, all right, that's fair. At least you're following policy. Now we talk about, is as a fan or a news organization, a reporter, do I agree with the policy? If I don't agree with the policy, then I make arguments and statements of why this policy is not adjudicating fairly of what took place. Now to frame it, What Hope Solo is fortunate about for the most is that in this case is that she happens to be a woman. So the issue of domestic violence is one that we paint a picture of. Usually that is a man on a woman, not a woman on a man or a a woman on another woman. Uh, So that's her big, her biggest card, if you would. And I really don't like that reference, so I'll take that back. The biggest frame that allows her uh, to put this differently. Then you have the issue of ethnicity that people don't want to talk about in terms of this or race, whatever you want to do that. Then you have the popularity of the sport that we're looking at. And then finally, the part that you have that we won't look at this either is the fact that this was not caught on tape. So for me to discuss the issue, I'm going to put all on the table and be very frank that those are things on the table. But I think it is a serious question that you bring in the table From a greater perspective of us in the media of asking the question, why are these two issues being portrayed differently? What is at the core and the center? We know there's some issues about gender. We know there's some issues in terms of popularity. We know there's some issues about race or ethnicity that people do not want to discuss. And so I'm fine with putting it on the table because that's the framework that I deal with issues. And just because it's tough to discuss it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that this individual or us as a podcast group will not touch it. We will be front and center and make sure our listeners understand the tangibility of these frameworks so that you'll uh, hopefully, in a lot of ways, feel a little bit uncomfortable and then come back and think about it such that you can be more comfortable moving forward.
0: And I'm going to have a quote from a spokesman for U.S. Soccer. Describing it as a personal situation, end quote. And she's going for a record for shutouts or whatever for, as a goalkeeper for the U.S. women's national team. Was one of the reasons that they are using to keep her on the team, keep her playing. Whatever. Here's a quote. Here's, here's a quote. This, this <laughs> Did is they the, really use it? This, this is the quote. Read it. Read From uh, Neil, last name B-U-E-T-H-E. Could be Booth. Spoken for U.S. Soccer. Quote, at the same time, this is in the New York Times, he said, justifying the celebration of Solo's impending record, quote, she has an opportunity to set a significant record that speaks to her hard work and dedication over the years with the national team. While considering all factors involved, we believe that we should recognize that in the proper way, end quote. Was this in the article that uh,
1: Christine Brennan wrote a while back? That's the Washington Post.
0: This is the New York Times. Uh, Wow. So, yes, that, that wow. is his quote. And Different to, framework, to mindset, shift, to, yes, totally. To shift gears because, as Doc touched on, the other factors around it, but it's domestic violence is the core of these issues. And another core, domestic violence, and it's not quite, it is not having to do with sports, but it's domestic violence and something that the country needs to address as a whole is domestic violence and the problems that it's, Impacts uh, the lives in, of citizens is thanks to my man uh, Roland Martin and TV One Now, Houston, Texas, his Yates, Texan, JY product. Federal Judge Mark Fuller. Ah, here we go. Domestic abuse.
1: Came up this morning on the morning talk shows.
0: Accused, no, not, a, heck, not even accused. He pleaded he, guilty. He, he, thank you. He, he reached a and plea deal still sit, well, for I, abusing his wife. And let me read to you, Doc some of the stuff that he did. Let me if I can get this correct. And here. you can find the audio on YouTube.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm listening.
1: Let's see, he
0: pulled her hair. He threw her against a wall. Let me let me see if I can get some more information here. I, and he's still sitting on the bench.
1: I know this is his second uh, case against a wife. First case was against the first wife. And this is the second case. Correct. And and then to top it all off, he left the first wife for the one uh, for the, the the wife that he's married to now, and she knew about the first situation, battery. Yes. Leopard
0: did not change
1: his spots; they just got bigger.
0: In front of the family, maybe something yeah. like that. Uh, well, like the, the kids or whatever. Yeah,
1: and the first wife. Uh, the second wife, they had gone for a weekend and, um, he, just, for whatever reason, don't know what
2: transpired,
1: but. So, the,
2: again, as you're looking for the framework to make sure that our listeners can get a full picture of what we're discussing, I think the greater qu- question that starts to become and the more difficult question that starts to play out is why is one group dealt with differently? In a certain way. Gotcha. And why is this individual that happens to be in a different group looked at differently? Why isn't there such a.
0: Disparity? Outcry.
2: Re- no, not just the disparity, obviously we see that, but why isn't there such an outcry for this individual? Again, is, is so much of this just plainly about the fact that it was literally caught on tape? And so something has to be caught on tape for us to see. That is that wrong?
1: Mm-hmm. I hear.
2: Is is that the issue, or is there a, a issue in terms of gender as we look with Hope Solo? Now we're seeing that it may not just be a fact that it's a gender issue. Now you're looking closer in terms of the issue in terms of the framework. Pro- both of them are professionals, right? But they looked at differently in terms of professionals. One playing a game versus the other one in a lot of ways, controls the magnitude of society in terms of putting people in jail and and their ability to take away their freedom in in so many ways of decision-making and how he's dealt with. I think that is a significant question that we, as people of the media and podcasts that have these discussions, must put on the table for people to consider such that they are aware. Because I think the first thing you'll find out Well, a lot of people is they are not aware. So the question becomes: Is why has the media cycle
1: not picked this up? Yeah, this morning was the first time since, and it's sad that it took a horrible video situation to bring the attention and all to to us. But a sitting federal judge who is permanently in in his position and can't be just arbitrarily
0: removed from the bench.
1: It has to be by what is the state or uh, uh, through Congress to remove a federal he has judge. Has to be
0: impeached from the position, basically, or he'll he'll die in, as a federal judge in in the that, position. That's the sad part. He's permanent in his position,
1: and it has to be. In,
2: so again, in, you know. I ask, what is wrong with that picture? What creates the environment that allows that to exist? It's
1: because Doc, I'm just gonna go there right now. I mean we just we already and on the I'm not run.
2: saying that we necessarily have to answer that, but I'm saying for my listeners, I want them to think. I want them to consider. And a lot of them have the right to really try to define within themselves why this exists. And is the decision and the framework that you decide of why, is that really taking all the things In place to make your outcome of why you think this is taking place. And then later we have to come up with the framework is how do we create change? How do, if we think that this is not the correct thing and we want all this stuff to be eradicated, then the next question is how do we create the environment to allow those that are in positions to make changes to create the mechanisms, uh, to force this change
0: to take place? Here we go. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Mark Fuller. I'm not even going to to uh, discuss who he was appointed by, which president did that? Because this it don't matter It just, it's, just, he's it's, just I might, it's not really relevant to his Is that? abuse. Was arrested August 9th after his wife called 911 uh, from a hotel in downtown Atlanta. She told police that Fuller was drunk and that he had pulled her hair, hit her, and kicked her, and threw her down after the two started argu- arguing. About his alleged affair with a law clerk, which was the impetus. Another, the reason that uh, the first incident with the first wife was because of an alleged affair with a bailiff. And this, so you're seeing a pattern of in Mister in In Judge's Fuller uh, of his infidelity, maybe even drinking issues, being drunk, and his being violent. So there is a pattern of his behavior, and this person sits on the federal bench, and is still sitting on that bench. As of this day. Now, his cases are being transferred out, but he still has
1: his.
2: But he's still sitting on other
1: cases. He's still sitting on other cases.
2: Uh, So, uh, again, the question is, is if we. That's why I asked. What I'm saying, if we think that the framework is is correct, that when an individual makes certain egregious. Yeah. OK, I'll go with that. Incident. Yeah. Then they should be suspended. If you're alone that framework, then I think that should be the same thing with the judge, the same thing with the police officer, the same thing with individuals in general situations where they're in the public atmosphere.
1: Okay. That's why when I go back to my question before, a while back, have we evolved to a place where... Folks are comfortable, or are they just going to accept the day-to-day?
2: I think for most folks, I'm not sure if I even want to frame it with them being comfortable. I think most people are not comfortable, but I think most people have a lot of responsibility. A lot of, Most people are trying to live their lives, and I'm not going to disrespect them for trying to live their lives, but I will challenge them to understand that if we're going to make this place better, that they need to understand that it is above and beyond their duty um, to work even more diligent about making change. Change is hard. So I will not frame it in such a way that they should understand as if they're not doing their due diligence. I need them to understand that I do respect that you're working hard and you have a lot of things on your plate that you're taking care of. But if we want this country to continue to grow and get better, in the world in general, I would like them to create the framework that change is hard, and I need you to do additional work. I need you to help us move forward, and that means that that cannot happen without you taking valuable time, in some cases even financial means, to move and make change differently, more so than just creating the noise in the room when it's easy from the framework with the NFL. Or the NBA, if we would like to make
0: that hold that thought, we, we're having this great discussion here. But I want to take some, take a, a moment and some time to hear State. from THG Agency.
3: Are you looking for business strategies and services in the areas of sports management, educational leadership and project management for your sports camps, AAU teams, local business or athletic department? Well, you come to the right place. THG agency is the heritage group. It is a fully integrated sports entertainment, educational leadership and project management consulting company focused on sports leadership and educational administration with six areas of consulting expertise, sports business management, educational sports assessment, data analysis, educational curriculum development, advanced leadership execution, and statistics solution consulting. Our services are well-defined but tailor-made for our clients we represent. For more information, give us a call at 281-330-1341 or email us at info at thg-agency.com You can also visit the website at thg-agency.com
0: And once again... I want to uh, thank THG Agency for being a part of the podcast, and we're always looking for more uh, sponsors and supporters of our podcast. But, gentlemen, I will be remiss if we didn't tell the listeners who we are. it who, who are you? How can folks find you, sir?
1: I am Jerry Lee Woodley, Jr. You can find me online uh, through the social media, uh, TweetDeck, Facebook, Twitter, JL Woodley One. You can find me on my video interviews, at YouTube, and AKSVDCSR. You can find me uh also my video and, and uh, write-ups. Um, I'm in the process of getting my therapy and all to a point to where I can go back to writing on a regular basis. Um So, and it's, it's on me. To get it done, but when you're under therapy, if you want to get it done right and don't want to be in pain the rest of your life, you have to get things taken care of and listen to the doctor. But you can find me at blog, aksv, these college sports report, blogspot.com. Blogger. And Doc, how
0: can folks find you, sir? Yeah, the
2: quickest way to find me is social media platforms uh Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Dr. Kenyatta D-R K E N Y T T A. C A V I L D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A, C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A, C-A-V-I-L. I've had a lot of people follow me uh, recently after each podcast. I'd like to thank those that jumped on board. I tend to provide my own issues or retweets of issues that I feel are salient on sports business issues at the collegiate or professional level. And if they come up uh, at the amateur level, uh, below that, I'll do that as well. Uh, sometimes you see that, that in a scholastic or AAU, and I'll pl- provide that information to you. uh retweet as I do. Also, uh, on social commentary, uh particular one is related to uh, the disenfranchisement of different individuals, I tend to uh, retweet those. I like those or forward them on Facebook, if you would. Retweet them on Twitter. And on Instagram, as I travel... Uh, During my meetings in regards to providing research and presentations or consulting work, uh, I often provide a picture that creates a thousand words of what is taking place. I also uh, oftentimes will provide the top ten poll on Instagram, so you can see it there as well. Um, You can see me on the College Sporting News right now. That website is in a growth, a reintroduction cycle. So you might not see the information there. On the Houston Media Watch, I've been asked to help them on thd agencycom which is my own website. You can find some information in terms of consulting. But in more in terms of my work, you, know, you can go to Onodon.com, www.onnidan.com, as well as hbcusports.com. So I'm trying to spread my wings and put all the information out there I appreciate all the supporters. Finally, uh, you can get me on uh, the blog sphere on Mondays at 5:15 with the Bachelor Pad. Uh, you can listen to me do a hour rep- or a beta 45-minute report there. And then on Tuesdays, uh, I really would like the listeners to check me out on a recently launched radio show inside the HBCU Sports Labs. That is Dr. Cavill's inside the HBCU Sports Labs with Ryan McGinty and Mike Washington from 7 to 8 every Tuesday right here in Houston at KSUH 1230, a beacon uh, in the Houston landscape. Um, you can catch it on the Internet at www.kcohradio.com. It is streamed there if you want to hear and listen to it live. We are working on being able to get podcasts so you can hear that at your own leisure. And, again, I just would like to thank all those listeners that continue to listen to us
0: right here. And I am uh, KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Website is www.houstonroundballreview.com, as well as Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram and YouTube, Twitter, T-H-E-H-R Review. Um, We have our KG, Fifth World Wildcat, and Doc facebook page so check us out there don't be shy listeners when we know you're listening We can see the tweets and the comments we thank you for that but don't be shy if you want to ask us questions go to the facebook page and share your thoughts and opinions mm-hmm. and criticism with us there and topics you want to see us address um uh post it there on the facebook page as well so you can tweet us uh topic suggestions or go to the facebook page and hit us up there doc i want you as you wrap it up here to give us uh hbcu updates
2: definitely give you a HBCU released right here i will give you the top 5 won't give you the entire top 10 we'll save that for it to formally come out tomorrow but let's look at the top 5 program let's look at the HBCU mid major division football poll rankings for week number 4 starting with number 5 Virginia Union Panthers they move all the way up from number 9 2 and 1 on the season 1 and 0 oh in conference play had a big win this weekend as they continue to move and get things done you have the Morehouse Maroon Tigers 2 and one also 1-0 one an in the SIAC, moving up from the sixth spot, jumping up two spots after they continue to win. They beat Central State Matadors in the Chicago Classic, getting it done, and they kind of beat down on the Matadors. I was a little surprised at that. I thought the way i seen Matadors play earlier this season, I thought they would be serious, but Morehouse said not so fast. At number three, you have the Miles Golden Bears, 1-2 and two on the season. They've had a tough schedule but they're pretty solid, and they will be in the East Division race uh for the SIC, I should say West Division, to correct that. At number two, Livingston Blue Bears 11st place votes. They are surprising everybody. They're currently undefeated. They are the only undefeated mid-major team in the poll this week. They move up from the three spot as they continue to make things hard on everybody around them. Number one, Winston-Salem State Rams. Nine first place votes. They continue to get it done. They got back to their win on after a tough loss to Valdosta State last week. They defeated Tuskegee Golden Tigers. That was a top ten matchup dropping Tuskegee to number eight in this week's poll to give you part of the top ten. That'll do it for five of the top ten. Let's look at the big boys and what we refer to as the major division in terms of the top five programs. You will not see Prairie View in the mix as they were thumped this past weekend for a local team, but you might see the other HBCU program in the top five. Where will they land? Surprising everybody, I will tell you this. There is a new number one this weekend, so listen closely. At number five, Alcorn State Braves. 3-1. 3 and 1, they continue to beat down on teams. They haven't had a very difficult schedule thus far, but they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're beating up on their components, but unfortunately for them with other teams doing their things, they actually dropped two spots despite their big win over Mississippi Valley State. At number 4, North Carolina A&T Aggies, 3 and 1. They jump up one spot from the 5th position as they continue to win for their second consecutive win of the season. At number 3, Alabama State Hornets playing very good football. They had a Thursday night broadcast on ESPNU under the lights. And boy, did they shine. They beat up on the Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions. You uh, understand about that. The Golden Lions got it taken to them. It was ugly. Was it on the road or at home? It was in Montgomery, Alabama. Oh. Oh, So it was a road win for I mean, a home win for Golden State, a road loss for the Golden Lions. It'll be interesting to see if the Golden Lions can bounce back. Yeah, They have a big-time quarterback with Benjamin Anderson, though, Good. so don't think that he won't have a say in terms of this season. And number two, you have Bethune-Cookman-Wildcats, 2-1 and on the season. They took their first loss. We talked about that earlier against UCF. And so it's they dropped one spot, but they might find a way to get back up to that number one spot. Surprising everybody right here out of Houston, Texas. Third Ward's finest Really? Texas Southern Tigers. Really? 4-0, undefeated. The only undefeated major division team, so they get credit for that. Well. They have four first-place votes, 102 total points. They move up one spot. They will shock everybody, but we'll we'll see. Can they maintain this number one spot? Are they that talented? It is early in the season, but they've earned it thus far. They are the number one team. We will see as the season proceeds. Can they hold on to that number one elusive ranking? Everybody wants this season.
1: I got one question: How long before they have an open date?
2: Uh, They'll get open date around week seven.
1: Oh, I think that'll be key. Yeah, because by that time, well, they they
2: have their first test. Let me finish this. Okay, this was we're gonna see just coming in this weekend. Guess what? We have a top five matchup. No, even better than that, a top three matchup we have the number one Texas Southern Tigers traveling to Montgomery ah! to face the number three Alabama State Hornets in the HBCU major division of Dr. Cavill's boarding pole. So we will see real quick. If they are the Tigers are real. The real deal? Can they hold on to their number one ranking, or will they fall and topple when the pressure hits the pipe? We'll see. Two things they say. Pressure either builds diamonds or busts the pipe. What will happen next Saturday in Montgomery, Alabama, for this top five matchup between strong teams this season in the SWAC?
0: And that game will be uh, streamed on YouTube. Yes, it will. That's one thing TSU is doing this season is having their football games on streamed on YouTube. So uh, kudos to to them for doing that. And Alabama State streams it as well, and they started it, so – You'll
2: have your choice of that. And uh, this is the one that you have the time to. Yeah. You want to find either your iPhone or your iPad
0: or whatever. Yeah. Kick off at 5.30 Smartphone Saturday. you
2: have or your computer. Kick mm-hmm. off at 5.30. Yeah. Beautiful stadium. 30,000. You'll probably see at least 15, 20,000 people in there depending on the weather. And it'll be electric.
0: Have mercy. Have mercy. as they say, and and that is a great way to Speak, end the podcast oh, right
2: there. That's one, why I want to end the podcast.
1: Thing. How was the crowd last night? night? At uh,
0: here, I did, where you. Are see, they, I wanted to do it on a positive. note. See, he's gonna end on a positive note. He already answered the question. He already the question. He gonna ruin it already. Go ahead. You know,
2: <laughs> no, it was uh, it was decent. It was, it wasn't that
0: I'll bad. I take that. No, no I'm because uh, a lot of things going on yesterday. Yeah, there's a lot of things
2: going on yesterday. It's, I, it's climbing. It. They just have to continue to do their part in terms of win. The fans are starting to ask a lot of questions, and they actually and that's have to put it, a it. pretty good crowd in there. And I think the biggest thing that you have to talk about is the fact that Texas Southern Titans are playing some very good football, and they look like, I like said, a serious team. They, the question they, I had with them again is their health. Can they stay healthy? Uh, very solid team. Uh, they know how to win. They pulled away in that game. Uh, we're leading by 21 points. They end up being the Alabama A&M 45 to 23 in that contest. Uh, doubling up. Some, huh? Close to doubling up. Yeah, they, they really played and jumped out 21. They let them come back, had another game, uh, field goal in there. It was just 14 to 10 at the half. So they're able to win close games and pull away as of late. So they're, Pretty solid team again, the question you have with them is
1: can they stay healthy and, and that's going to be an issue for pretty much everybody involved uh because like i said this this summer when during fall training camp when I was coming over for uh uh part our podcast, I'd be walking through the campus and unlike pe- previous years every only thing it was ta- it was talking about football they wasn't concerned about what' was going on in the classroom dorm women it was all about what's going on with the team. And I trust me, I love I, when you when you see a football team doing in season. That's what you want to hear, especially when they going to the chow. It's one thing when they hit it to the football field. It's another when they walking off of it and get going to get some some food. I like what I heard.
2: Like I said, show up, show out. Next weekend, Montgomery is the place to be. Top yeah. three matchup, number one versus number
0: three. They're
2: gonna
1: be growling. They're gonna be growling. They're going to be growling.
0: Look forward to it. Gentlemen, thank you as always for your time, insight, and your knowledge and your opinions. I I believe Sundays will be our our new day for the podcast for the foreseeable future. Uh, October is almost here, which means basketball season is is almost here. And the media day is coming up for a few conferences and a a few teams in the area. So looking forward to that, trying to fit that in, my uh, work schedule, do what I can. But as always, uh, you check out a podcast on – SoundCloud.com, on iTunes. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for telling your friends about our podcast. Uh, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for your support. We've got a lot of diehard supporters, uh, some folks I work with, some folks I've known for years, some folks I haven't met, just on Twitter. They appreciate the work that we do. We want to give you, a, you, let you fellas know that they do appreciate and enjoy the podcast. So, we are, we are out there, and people do like what we do. So, I want to share that with you fellas as well. I'm going to wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.